welcome to the pedestrian podcast for the 200th time um i've said those words uh, myself stuart court is joined by the newest nfl insider on the beat mr adam nathan how are we sir life's tough at the top Stu. there's been you know loads of inquiries and what other things do we know and it's it's nothing but um i've you know not to waste the joke that i just used off the tape you know we couldn't get anyone good on for episode 200 so we're stuck stuck because it didn't land as well second time round. but uh hey i lo- lost some of the luster no uh, one of the hottest free agents on the market no more uh welcome back one of our favorites one of our listeners favorites uh the host of between two Ballors, seahawks fallback the newly minted seahawks fallback mr nick Ballor. how are we sir guys thanks for having me on i'm uh i'm honored that uh you guys broke the news to the world. <laughs> I can't even imagine the whirlwind of uh, media attention and, uh, and clicks you guys have gotten because of it. And, uh, you know, I, I'd like to think I had a little part of it. And by that, I mean all of it. So, uh, you know, your thanks are welcome. But, uh, no, glad to be on. We yeah. did get a question of why on earth did you give us the news to break? And was there just no one else that would that would take it? Yeah, no, nobody really cared. I, I, <laughs> I, I should show you my my texts, my DMs to Schefter, and he uh, he just completely ignored it. Uh, he just kept saying, "Who are you?" After I, <laughs> uh, I begged him to to let me break the own news, but then I was like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it for the pedestrian podcast. So I'm glad it. Uh, you know, there was a lot of it. It did make like it was on ESPN and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, that, that's yeah. wild. Are we one of our guys in Seattle sent in, is this guys? Is this you guys? Is that, yeah, yeah, it is. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was very cool. Uh, so yeah, thanks though. Thanks for that. Yeah, dude. no, that was uh, that that was fun. It was uh, John Boyle asked me. He's like, oh yeah, he goes. And I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, I know those guys. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have them the big scoop. Yeah, we, we were trying to we were trying to gauge if like when you were signing your contract with uh, John Schneider and everyone. If someone asked, who told the Brits? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, I think that it's becoming more of an international game, so I figured I'd kind of get that going to start with the Germany game and then throw you guys a bone overseas and uh, you know get the the uh, the scoop. Yeah. Uh, so, what's the week been like? I mean, obviously, you will have known what was going on. <laughs> I presume before like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but it must have been a bit of a whirlwind flying cross country twice anyway, just for that. Yeah, it it was uh it all kind of happened a little bit faster than I thought it would. Usually stuff kind of happens in March. Um so that was exciting just to have, you know, the ball rolling early because it's basically when you're a free agent, like from the end of the season till um, you know, mid-March, you're off, but it's really kind of all you think about. Um, Stu, am I upsetting you and talking here? What the hell's going on? Yeah, he's had enough. He's had enough. I was, I was about to say something extremely profound. And you just fucking get up in the middle of it. Unreal. <laughs> no, uh, no, it was, it was really, it, it was exciting. And obviously, um, you know, I wanted, I want to be in Seattle and, uh, the way everything worked out, it's kind of like a, you know, it's always like a back and forth, you know, with, I don't really deal with any of it, but you have an agent and, you know, they talk with John and all the guys and, um, you know, I was just so excited to have it done because it's great just for, you know, obviously 
you get kind of anxious about it and you want to, once it gets rolling, you want it done. And then obviously, you know, having a family and stuff, it's nice to know, you know, you can kind of plan for, uh, you know, where the kids go to school and, and all that stuff. So it's, it couldn't be a better deal. And it was, you know, flying, flying in there, um, was there for, um, couple hours and then and then flew back but it was great to see all the coaches and everything so uh you know it, it was great so is that something that comes up and like when you left the building after the playoff uh after the season ended is that something that comes up in like exit interviews or like look we want you here we'll be in touch kind of thing or yeah i mean i i think a lot of it's like um usually you can kind of get an indication of what thing never like money wise or anything like that, but at least an indication of like interest, if they want you back or not. Uh, and they do a good job of, you know, we have like exit meetings and, and generally uh, you'll meet with kind of front office type guys, if you're a free agent. So then you kind of get a little bit of the lay of the land of what might transpire in the next year. But at the end of the day, you don't really know. And there's a lot of moving parts, and ultimately it's like, you know, it's a business and you don't know how it's going to kind of all shake out, but, um, you know, you have your exit interviews, like the season kind of ends abruptly when you lose, because it's like, you lose, you, you fly, well, we flew home and then the next day you have exit interviews and then everyone goes their separate ways. Um, but, uh, they do a good job of kind of telling you. Yeah. When it comes to like valuing yourself, obviously you've moved around the country a few times and as a 24, 25 year old with fewer routes laid down in various cities, presumably that becomes easier. I mean, as you, you know, go entering year 13 and getting sort of towards the, you know, maybe 12 years left in the, in the career, I, I would say, give or take yeah. um, minimum. Um, but you've got roots in Seattle, have had roots in Seattle. When it comes to valuing yourself, does it differ when you're talking or if other teams come in that like, look, this is fine for here because I like it here, but I've got young kids and to go there, like it, it would, I'd need more. You know, right. Right. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, if it was a place I didn't really care to be, then, you know, you take anything, you know, the same or maybe even less somewhere else, but it was kind of the opposite deal in Seattle. It's like, um, it would have taken a lot for me to leave. And, you know, even then I don't know that I'd, want to do it you know what i mean it's kind of like at this point within reason i mean if if mm -hmm. things are complete like the delta is that much it's like it's at a certain point you have to kind of make a a brutal like business decision but until that point it's like something has to be really great for me to leave this place because it's like everything is perfect i'm comfortable there my family's comfortable there uh I'm comfortable with the team living there um and, and, and it going to a new team sucks. It doesn't matter. Even like, even coming to Seattle, it, it was great, but it, there's always like, you have to, um, you come in, uh, and then you have to kind of, you feel like you have to prove yourself and show like the other guys, you know, that you're worth it or this or that. And then also you have to get to know personalities of the players and the coaches. And, um, that takes a lot of energy to kind of, you know, try to fit in or make friends or whatever. Or, um, and, uh, kind of try my jokes out on guys. And, and <laughs> I think now it's pretty good. So guys know kind of the humor, but, uh, initially they're like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy, which they still say. <laughs> from time to time. But, uh, 
you know, it, it's just, it's so much better to be in a place where you're comfortable and you, then you can just uh, focus on football because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. But like when you go to a new team, you're worried about kind of, you know, trying to fit your way in and where you, where you belong in the hierarchy and all that stuff. So along those lines, obviously John Steiner was on Seattle radio yesterday and he called you a core guy. Um, Quandre used the Sesame Street, I think Sesame Street, if to react to us tweeting out that you were back. Tyler Lockett's entire story on Instagram was different photoshops and photos of you staying. I mean, that must be quite cool to watch. Like the appreciation, obviously you played Quandre in a couple of spots now, but the appreciation two of the like the more... I don't know, but two of the guys you've been to battle with for 17 Sundays, like kind of appreciate and are happy and excited that you're going to be back there when they get back in the room in July. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously don't care at all what Quandre is. <laughs> it was, it was uh, it's cool that, you know, that guys are happy that you're back, not being like, oh, fuck, he's back. But uh, so that's always great. And we have like a, we have a pretty good like core group of guys that have been around there for, I mean, everything is so transient in the NFL. It's like you, the, the roster just kind of is all over the place at a lot of places and to play with guys pretty much your whole time here is pretty cool. Um, so that was exciting. And, you know, I always, uh, it's always a little bit different because like I'm, you know, do a little bit of fullback, a little bit of linebacker, but I'm like the special teams guy. And, we have like our own little, you know, like the offense or defense does. And we've had the good fortune of having like a lot of continuity in that room. And it's become really cool because usually that's just like the bottom of the roster and guys are coming and going and getting activated and down and this and that and the other thing. And you have a little bit of that, but we've had like, and I think this is why we are so good on special teams is that kind of stays consistent and kind of has the entire time I've been here. So, um, it's it's exciting and and then we have a great thing going and i think that uh it's only going to get better and and every year you add a couple new pieces and then uh you know they kind of fit into how things work and then and then we go from there it's funny when you talk about you know how transient it could be and you hear all the time you know players saying nfl's a business and you'll see players move to rival teams which like in soccer over here if that happened there would be absolute uproar but i guess it's accepted over there and understandably so but what struck me from talking to you during the season regularly is like, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but how much you cared about winning and losing, like from a team perspective, it seemed to really matter. And you hear so much about players moving and it's a business and and this, that, and the other. Is that something that's in, increased in you as your career has gone on sort of as you, as you target sort of the ultimate goal, or is that something you've always had? And, and, and is that kind of a commonality across locker rooms? Because I think, a lot of fans think that players kind of when it gets to college, they really give a shit about winning and losing. And, and in the pros, it's kind of just getting through the season. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you have a little bit of both and, and, but I think both of them are beneficial to the ultimate goal of winning. It's like, you know, if, if, if we go undefeated, I'm ecstatic, obviously, but if, if I don't feel, if I'm not playing well, it's, it's good to be kind of a weird feeling. Like you kind of have to have both because if you're, if your team is winning and doing great and you're playing like shit and you're a part, big part of or you know, not a big part, but a part of the team, um, it's a pretty empty feeling because you know, even besides the business thing about next year, it's like, Oh shit, they're not going to resign me or they're going to cut me or this or that. It's like, 
you just feel like you want to hold up your end of the bargain, like pull your own weight. And I think when you have a bunch of guys and, and a little bit of his like self-interest, like you want to play well, you know, and uh, you know, especially on special teams, it's kind of like you, you eat what you kill. It's like, there's no, there's nobody throwing you the ball or handing you off the ball. It's kind of like what you do, you create yourself, which is, you know, it's a good thing when you're playing well on a bad thing when you're not. So uh, I think like if you got a bunch of guys that are really hungry to make plays and do great stuff, even if it's comes from a selfishness, which we all have like a little bit of that in us to, you know, you want to make plays yourself. Um, I think ultimately that's how you end up winning games and it's mutually beneficial. And I think uh, we got a bunch of guys, especially now, like really young guys that are just, they, they like bought into what goes on there and just, there was no bullshit. It was just going and we had, you know, we could have had a lot better year than we had, but I don't think anyone suspected that the year would go anything like it did. On on that point, how was the locker room during last summer? Because obviously there's a lot of talk about obviously the move the team made, uh, uh, the quarterback position and um, the new incumbent and that, but obviously there's a lot of negative, a lot of that was negative. How did the, did that kind of like bring that unit, unity, the unit together a bit more than it maybe would have in a normal Seahawks season? Or is it just kind of, business as usual I think, I think there was a lot of like chatter outside of the building about everything that was going on and and like obviously we all knew like that this is a big change and this is a, this is a lot different than it used to be but if you look at like the team over the last you know eight well ten whatever how many years it's like there's been kind of like waves of like the original team with that when Pete got here and then kind of changes and then um, you know, last year felt like a new team, like a new beginning. And we had like a bunch of young guys. We had a bunch of draft picks that were coming in and playing right away. Uh, undrafted guys coming in, playing right away. And I think it was just fun because it was like, no one expected us to do anything uh, last year. And, you know, we were hearing a lot about rebuilding and stuff, but you don't really, I mean, I don't like, you don't pay attention. It, it doesn't matter. Like all, all I'm focused on is, playing really good. I can't control what the offense does, the defense does, what people talk about. It's like, and if each guy is focused on, you know, doing their job very well, I think you end up having success. And I think that's kind of what we, we found this past year. And I think, you know, you can talk about like a chip on our shoulder all you want, like for, it's just like for a cliche thing. It's like, everyone's, everyone's doubted in some regard or, you know, whatever it's like, or even individually, it's like everyone's been doubted throughout their life, whether they were a first rounder that should have gone higher or undrafted that felt they should have been drafted. It's just like, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, okay, we're all f- fucking doubted at some point. But uh, we just kind of, I think, had like a workmanlike mentality and just kind of went and did our job. And it was fun because it was like, no one expects anything out of us. You know, we can, you know, do some cool things. Is that something that comes from the top down? Because, you know, Pete is obviously lauded for the culture that he builds. But, you know, when a team loses its quarterback, loses someone like Bobby Wagner, Jamal goes down first week of the season, so presumably isn't around the place as much. I don't know if like a a vacuum of leadership exists in professional sport or if that's something that people talk about from the outside. But presumably when you've got a healthy culture amongst the players, that's something that you can cover up much quicker. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd like to take credit for most of that. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Pete 
hears from me. No, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I think that, um, I mean, ultimately the whole like leadership thing. Yes. Like it's, it's a weird thing though, because you could have all the same guys. And if one year you're really good, the leadership is great. The next year you're shit. The leadership's awful. It could be all the same people. Mm-hmm. And ultimately it's like, no one's, I, I surely am not giving a serious speech. That's going to get guys so riled up that they're able to run through a wall. But, um, ultimately like in a professional level, all you can really do is, um, you know, put guys in the best position to, to play well. And, you know, I think keeping things light helps a lot where people aren't on edge all the time, uh, thinking like, Oh shit, I'm going to get cut. Uh, this coach is going to get fired. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. And, you know, that comes from Pete. And I think that's great. Uh, you know, I think, uh, ultimately, um, you know, leadership or whatever, or some, or someone that people look to, it's basically comes down to performing on the field because you can say whatever you want, but if you play like shit, nobody cares what you're saying. And that's kind of like, you know, my motivation now it's like, I have all this experience. So naturally people will, you know, look to me for that leadership and you know i can talk about a bunch of stuff but at the end of the day if i'm not doing it on the field i feel like i'm a fraud and i know that they're not gonna fully listen to me because i can talk all i want but um you know i still i still have to do it on the field and that goes for any position anywhere so i think that that's a big thing because people always um think that there's some magic thing that could be said or whatever but if the guy saying it plays like shit or doesn't doesn't do what he's talking about, then it's like, they're never going to listen to you. Mm -hmm. So I think that that goes for any job or any sport, I think. Yeah. Uh, So we have got a couple of people who uh, are watching this live stream. Uh, Don't worry, there's no liveless content come out so far. But um, one of the guys, Nick, wants us to ask you how special teams alignment is sorted. Uh, Does it depend on opposition, who is lined up, where and how? Yeah. I mean, we'll do a lot of stuff with... uh, um, like, like take, for example, like our kickoff return, which was, this was great this past year, uh, to get Godwin back there returning. He was a spark for the team that I think was really cool. And you can see how big that is in the game when he takes it out. I mean, he was taking it out to the 40, the 50, like almost every time, which is amazing, but you try to get matchups. You know, I think that's kind of what he's asking. Like you'll have some absolute, uh, mutants out there on a kickoff team. <laughs> And it's kind of like drawing the short straw during the week. You're really like, fuck, this guy's 6'8", 260 running down, and he's the the L5 on their kickoff. And then, you know, you're like, well, this guy's got to block him this week. And sometimes you try to move guys around to get a favorable uh, spot. But sometimes it's tough, and guys – and we've got some guys that are smaller dudes that, you know, do an unbelievable job blocking, which is, you know, some of those guys out there, it's like – they have no regard for human life at all. When they're <laughs> down there. So um, it's like, I don't, you'd be like, I hope I don't get them this week, but it's always one of those things you roll out there and it's like, all right, I'm blocking the L four and the last 10 games that guys lined up at L four. And then you look, you, you start counting and you're like, Oh shit. And you see some guy like <laughs> with like smeared blood on his face, just staring at you. And you're like, Oh fuck, here we go. So <laughs> Uh, it's always kind of a crapshoot. You can always plan for that stuff, but they always shuffle stuff around. But it's it's you try to get the best matchups wherever you can, and and that goes for offense or defense. It's like um, any offense is trying to get the best, 
go to the best matchup on the field and try to throw the ball there or run the ball there. With, with, with all the rule changes kind of lessening the regularity of like Devin Hester's like taking over the league kind of thing, what, what is Gage's successful return for a unit? Now, is it like Godwin taking it to 35 and further on or? Yeah, I think, um, well, I mean, like when I, right before I got in the NFL, it was literally like the opening scene of uh, Saving Private Ryan. And <laughs> <laughs> all over the place and wedges and getting, you know, guys getting smoked. And then even into my first couple of years, and it's kind of like calmed down. But I mean, there's still some, uh, I mean, I killed myself on the field for about 30 seconds there against the Chargers. So it can still happen. Uh, but you know, for us, like anything there, there's like a wild analytics thing with, uh, starting field position and we have a good kickoff team cover team and kickoff return. Uh, and that's why we kick it short because it's with them returning. If, if they start in like inside of the 25, as opposed to just a touchback, their chances of scoring, like every yard you go down goes down like 10%. So you're talking like if you pin them inside the 10, their chances of scoring on that drive are like 5% versus like if a team takes it to the 40, their chances of scoring are like 50-50. So, you know, I try not to get bogged down in the nerdy shit, but like <laughs> I see why we do what we do just because and we only do it because I think we're we're good at it. So, uh, you know, pinning a team deep is great and then having a guy that brings it out and we get it to the 40 or the 35, you're talking, you know, it seems like a small part of the game and, uh, but it really makes a huge difference. You mentioned uh, on the last time we spoke that when you were playing without fans, the collisions sounded like gunshots. And as you say, against the Chargers, like one of those shots kind of came your way, unfortunately this year. Um, what was that like kind of for the first few days and so something that, really struck me and I, I found quite I'm not going to say scary but you, you'd you messaged me like an hour after the game with quite an obscure message and then the next day when I said how are you doing you sent me the exact same message I think without realizing you'd sent it the day before and I think yeah. that kind of really resonated with me like this is no joke what what this concussion is like what was the process I think I think that was more of a function of me just copy and pasting the same witty line that I was. <laughs> I didn't. It wasn't that witty. I, I have to have to. I mean, it wasn't that. I, I didn't. I didn't respect you enough to send you a, a customized text. I think no. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was actually kind of a wild deal. So run down, hit, and next thing, the wild thing about getting knocked out is you don't remember or know you got knocked out because you were knocked out. So I roll over and. Uh, you know, I see the doctor and Pete's out there and I get up and this is actually kind of a funny, well, it's funny now, I guess. Well, I found it funny then, but I, I'm like, I came to, and I'm like, I felt fine. Uh, and I was like kind of talking to them and, uh, I, I saw, um, Cody Barton was out there and, uh, I go, doc, doc, they were like, about ready to get me up they're like don't move they do the normal like don't move thing they got to check your neck or whatever i'm like ah fucking fine so i roll over and i'm squirming around <laughs> they're freaking out i'm like doc doc and i grab his arm i'm like one thing before i get up i was like completely coherent at this point so i was like i can use this opportunity to troll uh i'm like <laughs> uh 
one more thing. And they're like, what is it? What is it? And I'm like, uh, Cody Barton's a bitch. And, that, that's what <laughs> and then he, he looks at me and he's like, shakes his head and, and walks away. So then they get me up. I go, I go, uh, they didn't even put me in the tent because I was fucked, but I was, so I go in the locker room and, uh, they put me through the concussion test, which it's a, it's a verbal one. And they give you 10 random words. There'll be like paper, rock, house, car, blah, 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 blah. And then you say back as many as you can. So then I did that. And then I did the, they have you do numbers like, but you say them backwards. It's hard. Even if you're sober of sober mind and body, it's like <laughs> five digits, say them backwards, blah, blah, blah. So we do that, but I forgot, I was trying to game the system, but not that they were ever going to let me go back in the game, but I didn't know that at the time. They go, it's like a 15 minute test. And at the end they go, do you remember any of those 10 words that we gave you at the beginning? And I'm like, nope, no clue. So they're <laughs> like, all right, just go shower up. And, you know, it was about halftime at that point. Um, and I still didn't really know what happened. So I go to my locker and uh my brother-in-law will like in our in a family group chat first of all my wife thinks i'm dead basically because they didn't they didn't really be like oh they came off it's like it went to commercial break with me laying there lifeless and then it's like nothingness so my wife is at home thinks i'm dead so she's got the the life insurance policy she's like okay <laughs> let's up before we get official word so uh, I go to my phone and uh, he's my brother-in-law videotaped the play and I watch it and I'm and then uh, he I'm like lifeless I didn't know I was knocked out till I saw that video and I'm like oh shit I was out so I go I've got like it's kind of cool because it's like being at your own funeral right you can see <laughs> who who cares about you you know by what they say to you so I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know what? This is a family group chat. There's 10 people in it. This is good. I can knock out a text to let them know mm -hmm. I'm okay. Uh, and Rachel's texting me separately, I'm sure. But, you know, I'm just trying to do it quick. So I, I text and I, I, I said, uh, I think it's what I sent you. It's from Eastbound and Down. I was like, sometimes when you ride the lightning, you get caught up in the storm. And that's all I said. And she goes, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like... I was like, oh, yeah, sorry. And then she's like, you text me first. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. So then I sent a couple other different variations of that to other family group chats so I could knock out a bunch of people at once. And uh, it was kind of, it was fun because, well, it wasn't fun, but I was like, uh, like word of my demise is greatly exaggerated or whatever. <laughs> um, and it was, it was kind of, I, I, after long story short, uh, I get changed, uh, and it was a big win for us. And, uh, so I'm like, you know what, like, this is, this is a good opportunity. So I go back in the locker room. I was in the training room, take my pants off, but leave the rest of my clothes on and then put my helmet on and buckle it up. And I stand right in the doorway where the players come in and, uh, I'm, they, they're coming in and, I, and I'm just nodding and they're like, looking at me. And I just start yelling, when do the Mariners play? When are the Mariners playing? <laughs> and they're like looking at each other like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And uh, like Pete's looking at me like, what the hell? So I, I played it up pretty good. And then I think I, there was a, there in LA, they have a ambulance 
next to where we get on the buses. So they had like a, um, a gurney out there and I laid on the gurney and had people take pictures of me and I sent them to some of my buddies to mess with them to try to make light of the situation. But it was, uh, it was kind of a wild experience, but I will say I didn't, I never really felt like bad, no headaches or anything. I felt great. You know, obviously it was too soon to play the next week, but, um, you know, did that. And the only thing through the whole thing that scared me was the next day. And this was so nice of the Seahawks. They literally posted these pictures, which was hilarious is like, they have a picture of me making the tackle. Then the next picture is like people calling for them to come over and look at me because I'm, my legs are crossed and I'm like this on the field. And then the next picture is like the whole team out on the field, which I had no idea that they were out there. Like, you know, I assume they they cared about me, but I didn't know how much. So that was pretty heartwarming to see. But I could see some guys that were that, that, <laughs> that weren't quite as like <laughs> so I made a list of those guys for sure. So it was, yeah, like I said, it was like watching your own funeral from above and you can kind of see the reactions of different people. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I didn't have any lingering effects from it. Uh the next week we played the giants and I was basically out for that week. And, uh, so I wore like, uh, uh, those big, um, like, I forget what they call them. We wore them in camp. They look ridiculous. They cut down on concussions, but I put one on and went out to practice with sunglasses on just screwing around. But it was funny because Pete came over to me and he's like laughing at what I've got on. And then he quickly got serious asking how I'm feeling. And I'm wearing this fucking idiotic outfit so I'm, I'm slowly like taking it off and like taking the sunglasses off while he's talking to me it's like it's like if you do something stupid or something serious happens on halloween and you're dressed as a you know a <laughs> slutty nurse and you have to get serious quickly so uh no it was uh it was it was kind of wild but um and you know probably scarier from my family than me but uh glad that i didn't have any kind of after effects from it and it was like it's one of those things that i'm pretty lucky that that's the only time it's ever happened to me so can't really uh complain on that front yeah. in general when it, when it comes to head injuries um and i think like with two of this year there's a load of concern obviously about player welfare but i feel like you see a tweet from someone that says oh no please not Nick with like two prayer hands emojis quote tweeting and the next player is like why didn't you smack that guy harder in the head yeah. Um, as fans and it's tricky for fans because I, you know, everyone kind of wants it both ways, but from a player standpoint to what, to, to what point are you like, look, this is the risk we take and we choose to do it. And that's why we play and we want to play versus, you know, how much duty of care can there be in a sport when ultimately you're encouraged to whack each other in the head a hundred miles an hour? Yeah. I mean, it's, we know the inherent, you know, it can be a pretty violent sport and all that stuff. I think it, it's got significantly better since, you know, even when I was younger um, and over the years. But I think that, uh, like, you never want to see that stuff happen. And I think they do a good job of teaching how to tackle where it doesn't happen as frequently and all that stuff. Um, but you can never quite eliminate it. And uh, I think that it's, you know, it's tough because you know it, it happens and it's going to happen when you got big fast strong guys running around or the opposite with me and i just dive and hit my <laughs> head and to let to uh set the record straight i knocked myself out just for if my son ever sees it i was not knocked out i knocked myself out which is a huge classy difference. and i don't it's yeah it is the classier uh 
more alpha way to do it i think yeah, so it's, for sure. <laughs> um you know it, it's and like for me it's like i love having the big hit or whatever but it's like at the end of the day um you can you can tackle effectively without needing to just absolutely blow someone up every single time and i think i think it's gotten a little bit less barbaric over the years and you know some people will complain about that but i think ultimately it, it will help the uh the longevity of the game i think uh does cody barton know he was a part of your uh concussion test and that he was the first person you thought of yeah no i yeah he he heard me and he was like shaking <laughs> I just, i'll never let an opportunity like like i always just feel like guys are so serious all the time and obviously that's not a situation to screw around that much but i don't mm. care uh <laughs> and it's like just make light of the situation it's like i'm obviously okay so or you know my wife would debate that but uh i would like to think i'm of sound mind and body and uh you know so it's like i'm okay let's Let's uh, deflect with humor here, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you talked today about well, about the summer, about the, the team coming together, and about the young players. I think the first six draft picks, all from uh, last April, all became either starters or pretty big contributors. Obviously, Tariq and uh, Kenneth Walker, like the highlight makers. But but was there any moments when you were watching them in camp? Obviously, we heard um, from like. Favorable and Doug Baldwin about the Broncos quarterback when he first got to uh, Seattle. But was there any moments for Tariq or Kenneth or even like Charles Cross that you watch and go, okay, we might have a he, he's going to be fun to watch, like developing ground. Yeah, I think I mean like with the with with Abe and Charles, uh, they were like pancaking people like crazy during the preseason. Uh, so that was like pretty, like just in actual game stuff. You see that, and then it's like. Wow, that's pretty impressive because offensive tackle is probably the hardest position to play as a young player, and then, and maybe as an old player, I don't know. But, um, but then with Ken Walker, it was like you're like watching him. I'm like, oh, you know, he's because I I would watch him a little bit at Michigan State, and you you see him in person. He's like he's well put together, not a huge dude by any means. I think people think he's bigger than he is, but then you see him run. And it was, it'd be like in walkthrough, like in tennis shoes. And you're like, what the hell? Like this guy is going to be unbelievable. And he would, he would run and he would take angles that you would normally take for guys. And he was just gone. And you're like, holy smokes. And then Tariq like is a little bit more obvious when you see him in person, you're like, what the hell is going on? He's like six, four. I don't know how much he weighs. And like, unbelievable and then even i mean we had um even for a guy that like uh like joey blunt uh who i believe was undrafted yeah and he he had uh, a couple injuries here and there but like he he's gonna be he'll probably be a great safety as well but he is an unbelievable special teams player um that was like very impactful when he played and to have the draft class like from top to bottom and even guys that were undrafted contributing it's like it's a home run and it's already a home run and even if you had half of those guys contribute it's still a home run so mm-hmm. you you pair that with what we've got going on this upcoming draft i think everyone has a reason to be super excited obviously you dislike the idea of a rookie as a concept so was it hard watching those guys play well and you know become stars when you know they really need to pay their dues first i think yeah no it's uh 
it's okay when it's uh if it's completely um well well i'll say this like these guys usually you get half of them are shit birds and you're like ah, i don't really care for that guy but like i can honestly say which is like awful well you know they're really good if i say this i guess is the right way to say it is like <laughs> they're all like the nicest guys ever and um like abe and charles are kind of quieter dudes ken walker's the nicest dude Tariq, kobe bryant you know on and on boy mafe all those guys they're like the nicest guys ever so i really don't have a bad thing to say about them the only thing that was very frustrating is we didn't have a rookie linebacker to do a rookie linebacker dinner so so <laughs> as, as the old guy i was stuck with the bill on that one but um you know it's a small price to pay but Besides being not having a guy to haze, uh, you know, it was awesome. Um, Did you have many, uh, you know, you gave us some ridiculously good Marshawn stories. Were there any kind of particular locker room stories that stood out as just uh, you know, crackers this year? Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, of anything really good that we that we did. There, there was, I mean, there's always like goofy stuff that, um, I mean, 90% of it is like, eh, I probably shan't, can't say it out loud. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it was just like, honestly, it's not a cool answer or anything, but it, it, it honestly was like a very, very fun year because it was like, you have all those young guys and they weren't, even though they were playing as if they were, I mean, some of them were literally, you know, pro bowl or all pro level. It, it was like, there was no, like, um, n you hate when a young guy's in there and they feel like they're like entitled and, and they, they talk too much or whatever, or talk at all for that matter. But, uh, <laughs> but they were like great players, but they were humble. And, uh, you know, I think accepted their role as rookies, to some extent in the scene, not heard mentality, which is great to see. And, uh, <laughs> and they were great. They, you know, they listened to, you know, any advice you had for them and, and were appreciative of it. And that's all you can really ask for. And I think it, it just made for like a super uh, fun year because there wasn't like the, these young guys that are having success, there wasn't like this abundance of like ego from them. It was just like, workmanlike as if they'd been doing it forever there was no like growing pains with them i don't think yeah uh, on on rookies going back a few years and all the way back to when you got um on campus central michigan jj watts retirement means that you're one of was it the last person from that recruiting class for cmu still active in the league i think that's yeah as deep as it got i mean that's i mean is that something you kind of appreciate the longevity you've had in the league from like an undrafted guy, obviously you've been to a few stops, but you, you're going to hit 15 years in the league with what's happened this week. Is that is that something you can appreciate? Is that something you'll appreciate when you take off the helmet for a final time? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, yeah, of course I do. It's like something I'm not going to probably say out loud because I always get nauseated when guys talk about like, so-and-so doubted me, like they didn't believe it. It's like, no shit, they didn't believe in you. Like, if you were to say when you're in middle school, if I were to say in middle school, I was going to play in the NFL or whatever, they'd be like, you're a fucking idiot. And they'd be right to say that. It's like, I've, uh, I've luckily been able to do it for this long. And it's kind of like, 
when the work's really done, then I can kind of look back. But then I don't know, to me, then it'll just I'll go on to the next thing. And it's like, I, I don't really get too sentimental about the past or everything. It's obviously I know it's, it's great. And uh, I have one of the weirdest career arcs of all time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just what how it worked out for me and it's like i'm not i'm not like pissed that i didn't get drafted and if anything it makes me probably insecure because i always feel like um i don't i i'm not good enough like you're like i really thrive on the negative self-talk i'm like you're a piece of shit you're not gonna do anything you never run worth anything you know (laughs) in my head it's like i gotta play well to you know get that out of there but uh you know it's not like i know every linebacker that was drafted before me and i'll never (laughs) get these teams that passed on me like everyone's got us like nobody cares so it's like why you know don't even say it out loud but you know i just enjoy i work hard and you know try to keep playing as well as i can work hard and a bit of play hard from from pete they had was it an impressionist or a magician that came in for a team meeting and in a still photo your face was what i can only imagine was like your wife's face when she saw you kind of dead on, on the field. Um, that looked like a pretty crazy experience that freaked a lot of people out, but was tremendously funny to watch. Yeah, no, that was, uh, there was some guys that got up and walked away. Um, uh, they couldn't handle the, whatever they, the sorcery that was going on in their room. Uh, that was pretty crazy. It was during camp and it's hard to get people amped up during the middle of training camp. But uh, when he came in, that was some, like he got got into DK's phone. I've um, n- never seen a human being get their phone back quicker. Yeah, yeah, he snatched it from. <laughs> uh, and, and guys still to this day talk about like um, they're trying to figure out how he did it or whatever. So um, I don't I don't know what the hell it was like. Forty minutes of crazy. I don't, I don't know how he did any of it. But he was like guessing all sorts of different shit from everybody. So it was it was pretty nuts, but. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was cool for him to come in. I think it scared guys because, well, what they didn't want like to get exposed for anything. So, uh, but that was that was nuts to have that, especially. And it was nice during camp to kind of lighten the mood. I think. Mm. Uh, obviously, this season saw the team come over and play in Germany in Munich. Um, obviously, the, the 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 game result wasn't what anyone anyone connected and anyone in that locker room wanted. But what was the trip like for you? Obviously, it's probably a bit of a a bubble you're in for four days in a foreign country, but um, the first one of the first two teams to make the trip over to Germany to play a regular season game is is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it was uh, it was it was awesome because it was one of those things that we, um, like when you see it scheduled, you're like, holy shit, that's gonna be a lot of flying. Like we were excited, you know, it's a new thing in the NFL to play, uh, you know, in Germany and. Once we got closer to it, I'm like, this is going to be a pretty cool experience. And you could tell how excited people were about having the game there. And uh, we flew in and um, and then direct. It was kind of weird because it was they do the schedule to keep us get us on the time zone the best that we could. And so we got there and went immediately to Bayern Munich's practice facility and practiced. Um, and it was, it was all kind of surreal. And the weirdest thing too is, I mean, I'm too stupid. I don't, is it, is it latitude and longitude? Is Mm -hmm. that how it goes? 
lot like Munich and Seattle are exactly across from yeah. each other more mm-hmm. or less. So like when we got there, the weather was exactly like Seattle and it typically, it kind of besides like the old buildings or whatever, it looks the same in, in that it's very green. Uh, there's like mountains in the distance, like the Alps are in the distance, like you have the Cascades in the distance in Seattle. So it felt like being basically at our practice facility, which was really cool. Um, you know, it was, it was fun. And I think it, it's a cool experience for a team because you're like all there together and, you know, you get to, you know, we went into town together and, um, you know, and then actually playing the game, the game itself was like, obviously not what we wanted to happen. It was kind of a weird, it was a great atmosphere. It was almost kind of like a, how I'd imagine a Super Bowl would be where it's kind of a neutral crowd where it's very, um, not corporate, but you have a lot of people there mm-hmm. that might not. And especially you add the fact it was in Germany. I'm sure you had a lot of people there that had no idea what was going on. Uh, and then there was a lot of Seahawks fans, a lot of Buccaneers fans. Um, but it was, and they did their, they were singing and, and everything. And it was cool seeing everyone stacking up the beers on the, <laughs> like, uh, in the front row, you could see that people were having fun, but it was, it was a pretty surreal experience the locker rooms there are not conducive for an NFL team because it's all these little locker rooms that kind of got pieced together, but it it was, you know, great either way. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, of some funny stuff that happened on the trip. Well, like all the, all the security, I think they expected there to be more of a fanfare with like, like if, uh, you know, a huge soccer team came into town, like, and, the security they had that they had in Germany were like all these guys that look like they were from like bond films, like <laughs> six, 10 huge dudes, like super scary looking. And it was, it was pretty uh, hilarious. Like seeing them like kind of like clearing perimeters when we walk in and nobody knows who the hell we are at the end of the day. So it was pretty hilarious, but uh, yeah, there, I'm trying to think of some, some funny stuff that happened. It was just kind of like, half of it is trying to fight the jet lag. So that always kind of stinks, but, um, you know, we did, uh, it was cool. It was unlike anything I've ever done playing. And, you know, a couple of days we got to go downtown Munich, which was great to walk around. And, uh, the problem would be like, if you looked at all American walking around, people would come up to you, try to take a picture with you. I mean, not me, but like, if I was with a guy that was like, you know, taller or bigger or whatever, they're like, taking pictures with them they have no idea who any of us are so it it was kind of funny in that regard uh but it was it seemed pretty crazy you know um just kind of the amount of people there and how excited everyone was to have an nfl game we uh we always finish with a a, like a little stupid segment at the end but before that i've always wanted to know if you were going to win the super bowl for seattle and it happened with the ball in your hands would you want it to be as a running back scoring a touchdown, a pick six as a linebacker or kind of going full Mark Wahlberg in that movie and knocking the snot out of someone on a kickoff return and, and picking it up and, and taking it in. There must, you must've had a thought once or twice about what, what you dream of if that was the case. Uh, I think probably hitting someone on a kickoff, grabbing it and scoring, but I think <laughs> what I would do, I think it would be funny to like do it and then just run off the field in the locker room. <laughs> and everyone's like, <laughs> uh, I, I always like, I've 
fantasized about that obviously even in games like <laughs> i have like a, a goal line play or something there's a couple times you know you play the niners and you're down to the last play and you run a little stupid fullback to the flat play catching it and then just like r- going into the locker room and then everyone's like you know either follows me in or whatever just being like <laughs> goofy but they'll be like what the hell is wrong with him why did he do that but uh i i think i would do something or I would just stay out there and do something stupid in the interview. But I would try to do something that'd be semi-rememberable, so so people would, uh, you know, like me more or something. <laughs> do, do you, this is not quite sure how to phrase this. When you kind of grow up and wanted to be an NFL player, and you know, you, you map out how your career is going to go and where you're going to play and positions and stuff like that. Do, does like playing special teams? <sighs> I don't want to say scratch the itch, but does that give you the kind of pride and feeling that you were hoping to get, you know, the way in which you've built your career is, is incredible. And it's, it's bouncing around here and there and, and making as much out of it as what you can. And you've become, you know, nearly a pro bowl special teamer. Presumably the, there's, you know, there's just as much pride of doing that as there isn't anything else. Yeah. And I think, well, first, like I never, like when I was a kid, I was not like, I want to play in the NFL. It was like every step is like, when I was in middle school, it's like, I want to be a good football player. When I got to high school, I'm like, I want to play varsity. When I get on varsity, it's like, all I want to do is get a scholarship. When I got to college, it's like, all I want to do is, you know, be able to play. And then once you're starting, you're like, I want to be, you know, all conference or whatever. And then, and then it kind of goes like that. So it's like, you have a lot of guys that are probably so talented that when they're in middle school, they're like, I'm going to play in the NFL. But it's Mm -hmm. like, it's like, to me, it'd be like kids saying, oh, I want to be an astronaut or, you know, it's like everyone says that. Uh, but the reality is like, you kind of have to, I mean, there's obviously a ton of steps in the way. So it's like, I never really thought that I would get to this point, but it's like every step you kind of each next step, like once I got in the NFL, it's like, all right, I'm good. I want to be great. I want to be a pro bowler and all that stuff. And, um, but in terms of, um, it's like, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think what I was going to say. It's um, as it, as it goes, like, because you never really see yourself as a, you know, I was always a defensive player, like in college, I was a mm-hmm. starting linebacker. So it's like, oh, I'm going to play linebacker in the NFL, but it's like, I knew instantly I'm like, and that's probably what keeps me, you know, around is like, I knew instantly, okay, I'm not going to be the starting linebacker. So I have to play special teams. And I think it's obviously kind of like the third tier perceived between offense, defense, and then that's like the third phase, but I take pride in that. And I, I'd like to tell guys, it's like, look, you can make a career out of this, a great career. Mm -hmm. Um, And half the battle is just caring about doing it because you got young guys that don't know what they're doing. You got old guys that don't care to be doing that, that are pissed that they're not playing offense or defense. And then you got a small percent that take it very seriously and make a career out of it. And I think, um, you know, I think that's why we're successful in Seattle because I think guys get it and they care about doing it, which is half the battle because you're dealing with guys that are very talented that if they put the effort in, they're going to do well. And uh, I'm more than, uh, you know, satisfied doing special team stuff and everything else playing offense or defense is just, you know, icing on the cake, but but special teams, I think it's cool because it's kind of like the, um, not the underdogs or whatever, but you're kind of like the, 
we have something I think to us because of the position we're in. And it's like, you know, it's probably the old like chip on the shoulder thing, but like people don't get that. It's like a significant, I mean, you can make a, a great living obviously, and you can, um, you know, fulfill anything you want to do doing that. So, uh, and it's fun because there's not as much structure to it. It's like you're fucking running and you're hitting people or blocking people. There's nothing really special about it. It's just, kind of a want to i think and i love it and i i enjoy doing it at a high level more than you know even when i was in san francisco starting for you know 10 so games i mean that was great but it's like it's just as fulfilling making a big hit on a kickoff as it is having a getting a sack or whatever yeah um i don't mention that the 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 pro bowl this year what what i mean I'm not, again, not too sure how to word this. Also, we tried to drum up support, drum up votes. Was it get 44 to Vegas? Is that something that obviously crossed your uh, crossed your radar, your your mobile phone screen while you looked up houses in Monaco? Yeah, no, it's uh, I was I. That's always like a a cool thing, and you know, it's when I first made it a couple of years ago, I was like, this is awesome. And then, you know, the last two years, I think I've been like the first alternate or whatever. Um, but ultimately, I mean, at the end of the day, all that stuff doesn't really matter. It's just a, a kind of a um, reaffirming maybe from an outside perspective, like acknowledging that you're doing a good job or whatever. And I think it was cool this year, the NFLPA did a thing um where the players voted and they basically did like an all pro team and like top five at every position and and uh to get on that meant a lot to me because like the pro bowl itself like i mean i don't know i don't i i don't know how much how well i'd fit in i mean i would i would have plenty of fun in las vegas but uh (laughs) but like i don't i mean it'd be fun to be with my teammates but it's like i don't have other buddies there or whatever and i'm not the type of guy that's like you know feels like he has to you know be buddy buddy with everyone just because we're in the same it would be weird it'd be more fun like for my family and friends to come to it and all that stuff but just the acknowledgement i think is is cool and and but at the end of the day the older i get it's like i know when i play well or play bad or this or that so it's like i don't need as much of that but it's just a it's just a cool thing that's kind of just uh, an extra little push and it's a cool thing to be like uh, as a pro bowler or whatever. So, um, you know, you're doing something right if you're getting close to it. And I think that's all it really is. And I think that's, uh, you know, good to try to, you know, be at that level, obviously till I retire and, uh, keep you guys buying those, <laughs> bot- those, uh, those foreign bots to just automatically <laughs> Uh, so no, I, I appreciate all the help, and we'll we'll get there next year. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we've we've said for a while that um uh, that we're we're all gonna need we're all in need of ordering the forty four below jersey. So the news the other day makes that uh, less strange because it'd be a bit strange if you'd left and we went went to the pro shop asking for forty four below. I guess, but uh, so yeah. what what's what's your off season looking like? Obviously, I'm not sure if Adam's told you in your conversations, but you know you got an entire group chat to uh, New White Hart Lane in March. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you mugged us off next week. The game of the season, you're missing. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, I'm going to old Colby Parkinson's wedding, so you'll have to blame him on that one. But it's uh, I have to be strategic with the uh, the wife to get to 
but I'll, I'll get over there for a game at some point. I got to, uh, I'll work, I'll work, do some extra laundry or something around the house to really butter her up. And maybe I can get a, I'll bolt out of the country for 48 hours, like a Navy SEAL trip in and out. But it's, uh, no, it'll be, I've been to, I've been to, uh, I've been over there for not in England for a game. Um, I went to a PSG game when I was in Paris. Uh, but there's nothing quite like it. It's, uh, oh, this is what I was going to say about the Germany trip is I can kind of see how European, well, anybody besides Americans finds American football boring because there's so many breaks in the action. And like, you know, we could say a lot of stuff about soccer, but I'll just, (laughs) I I won't, I, I generally like it, but it's like, um, I can, I can honestly see how, there's there's something like inherently more it's i I don't know if fast pace the word it's just it's constant versus football it's like play break play break and you could kind of i mean like the crowd was great but you could see you could kind of see some people that you could tell had probably never been to a football game before and they probably were like what the hell are all these commercial breaks (laughs) but it is it is interesting when you go versus it's like you're in it for what was it 45 minutes and stoppage time and then another one and and then it's over and uh so that is pretty cool yeah i mean my soccer team loses more often than seahawks at an earlier time in the day as well so it's easy yeah. to uh <laughs> yeah so what, what 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 about apart from colby's wedding what else is is it just to rest up and then head back to seattle what late april early may yeah um yeah we just it's basically just catching up on seeing family, uh, no like crazy trips or anything. I'm not really, I kind of like being in my routine of working out and, and being around my family. Uh, uh, you know, it's, you got the occasional, uh, bachelor party. What do you guys call it? A stag party? Stag do. Stag do. Stag do. Yeah. I've been at, <laughs> I've been at one of those, unfortunately in New York city with some, uh, some guys that called it a stag do. And it was, uh, it was quite, uh, quite an experience it was like <laughs> this is actually funny uh it was it was hayden smith who is he, a rugby player mm-hmm. uh he played for saracens i think and then mm-hmm. uh he was with me with the jets and all of his buddies were in town or his mates i should say uh and they planned this this stag was it stag do d-o yeah stag do and i was like okay and then it was in new york city and it was at um Keen's steakhouse which is like mm-hmm like 1800s like old looking place and like super nice fancy and they're like wear a hawaiian shirt i'm like what the fuck i'm like I'm not <laughs> and uh, i'm like do we have like a private room i'm not wearing that in there they're like yeah yeah don't worry about it i show up like and we're in the center table of the main dining room i'm wearing a hawaiian shirt with a lay and then like the two guys I was with were, and then all, all of them are just completely pissed drunk by the time we get there. And they put Hayden basically in like a gold speedo. And it's like the middle of winter in New York city at one of the <laughs> nicest restaurants. I'm like, we got to get out of here. And then, <laughs> and then the debauchery just kind of kept going from there. So that was my first kind of introduction with the, the English slash rugby type guys partying and i was like i can't handle this but ironically uh, munich is a legendary stag city yeah oh oh i i can't even imagine (laughs) i didn't really i i think i had two beers when i was there but uh yeah i it was was unbelievable 
it's the only thing you can drink in Munich is beer, but yeah. It's and you can drink on the street. You can drink on the streets without, you know, bagging it or you, know, you, you can just openly drink on the streets, which is unique. I think anywhere in Europe, but, but you can in Germany. So it's oh, just a legendary country for all of that. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, is that no, I think, I think we're good. I mean, obviously like we don't do a lot of sincerity, but, uh you know we've got a little group that talk a lot about the seahawks and whatever and we're just like super proud to see what you've done and you know so grateful for your time yeah i know you can say we've got to be nice once you already got jesus you already got we got to get you back we got to try and be nice pretend there's some civility and all this but you know it's we 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 did ask last time um and you uh are yet to deliver um andre diggs obviously reacted and then ignored our follow-up tweet asking to come on I mean, if, if before you get back to the camp, that's got to be. I mean, we've we, we got to get Quandre on here to. Yeah, I mean, there's no point being your friend unless you can get some of the good players. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. You're going to have to keep scraping the bottom to get. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think I think it could draw draw up some attention that you guys are groundbreaking. Uh, you know, beat writers that break the story early. Yeah, I'll have to work on that. It's going to be hard with the language barrier and everything. <laughs> we, we do yeah. need Michael Dixon before the summer because it's England against Australia in the cricket, and that needs to be discussed at great length. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just have to warm up, warn him. You may need subtitles for Stu when he really gets going. There. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on to dear life when he's going, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I told you guys this, but I I understood people in Italy way better than I understood guys at uh, Heathrow. Like when we were flying, through <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you're saying. And, and I think it only gets exponentially worse as you move to some of the other places in the UK. But uh, no, it's as uh, you go as you go up in the country, yeah, the understanding go up, goes down. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard it's an inverse relationship. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so also, Nick, there is uh chat and whispers that myself and Adam are going to make a trip over to uh one of the games this season. Uh, yeah, New York or Tennessee will be at one of the two of them, so we'll have to, um, yeah, and um, also that man means Adam that we're we're two and uh Mike and Chris at Seahawks Man to Man are zero ripple because they're, they're trying to get you on, <laughs> and we're now we're, we're now two up on them, and the next time's a hat trick war as well, which is a uh, just keep putting them off, and I'll keep texting Mike saying that he said he just wasn't sure about you guys. He sees oh, you in the yeah. locker room. He's I, just I, I not sure to, about you as a bloke. I need to. I need to get on there. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy schedule now, and you know we're the helicopters getting me pretty soon here from Monaco, and we're going to Ibiza. So then, uh, <laughs> I don't know when I'll find the time, but yeah, no, I'll, I'll I have to get on there. Yeah, uh, yeah, but as I'm so really appreciate, really appreciate that you let us uh, break your uh, new contract with. Yeah, it's gonna be fun watching you play, and obviously, uh, jerseys will be ordered at some point between now and the start of the season, and whatever trip me and Adam make for the 2023 season. Enjoy the rest of your break. Enjoy and send our best wishes to Colby on his uh, pending nuptials. But yeah, uh, appreciate as ever Nick your time and jumping on with us at uh, the 200th episode. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm glad I could be on it. Yeah, I'm trying to convince Colby to just fly to Mexico a one-way ticket, but <laughs> he'd actually go through with it, I think. Yeah. And I'll send you guys some jerseys. Don't tell uh, the other uh, prominent podcasters, but you guys probably <laughs> you guys probably deserve them at this point. They're, I know they're a very hot commodity, so you don't have to uh, buy the first ever 44 jersey. That's what I mean. <laughs> I mean, I mean 
we have done wonders for your brand you would have to say that's that is true that is true yeah. <laughs> I, I could carry on without guys no it's like anytime <laughs> you see a 44 jersey in the stands they'll be like oh, is that your uncle is that your aunt yeah, it's like, <laughs> every once in a while you get some sucker that buys one so yeah <clears throat> see them. yeah Brilliant. Uh, people listening if you want to get involved you can we use your means and methods uh yeah uh there's 200 episodes adam we've had a a cavalcade of guests putting together the bit of production at the start of the episode took me till three o'clock or when Har- uh, Brooke got to like one thirty. Uh yeah, it's been it's been quite fun. It's been six and a half years, which is probably far too long to get to two hundred episodes, but it's half a career. Yeah. Six and a half years. July July thirty first, sixteen was the first episode. There you go. That's awesome. Do, do you remember where you were in July two thousand sixteen? I was in my old flat. If you're asking me, you're probably not asking me that like question. I jumped in yeah. and answered. I was in a, a crap flat playing football manager and wasting time. So kind of basically exactly as I am I'll now, but just in a, in a house. <laughs> Some things never change. Exactly. Uh, yeah, Nick, do you know where you were in July 2016? I was, I was unfortunately in San Francisco. So. Uh, okay. yeah. But you weren't watching Toy Story 10 times a day. So, you know, every cloud. No, but I've got uh, I've got Blues Clues going right there. Right, oh, yeah. nice! Yeah, my 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 niece is currently going mad about Baby Jake, which is the strangest thing of all the. We've we've stuff. avoided a uh, coca melon, which is nice, because I I can't. It's too weird for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's superimposed baby's face on the a cartoon adjacent thing. It's yeah, it's strange. Uh, yeah, I appreciate uh, everyone listening. Appreciate listening. We'll be back in uh, an undetermined amount of time with 201 and on to the next uh, milestone, Adam. Until next time, this has been the Pedestrian Podcast. Oh. I don't know. That's just what pedestrian average mediocre receivers do. What's up? What's up? My man Deion Sanders, we all right, huh? We all right? Yeah, we all right. We don't go to the Super Bowl again being all right. You're listening to the Pedestrian Podcast, the official UK podcast for the Seattle Seahawks. Here are your hosts, Ross Bell, Stuart Court, and Adam Nathan. Go Hawks! Hello and welcome to the first ever Pedestrian Podcast, the, the official UK Seahawks podcast. Uh, I'm My name is Stuart and I'm... T- today joined by my fellow pedestrian podcasters ross ball and adam nathan how are we chaps very good mate how are you not too bad uh, mr mr nathan doing very well thank you how's how's your off how's your off season's been long yes uh my golf swing's not improving so that that's a worry i thought i'd <laughs> be key time for me to, to get that back going but no no avail unfortunately i wanna be a great one i wanna be a great one I wanna make a million dollars, making all my days count, counting with my day ones. Before I hit the graveyard, Louis V don't chase no. I wanna make a billion dollars, bring it to my pop, say, Daddy, what you prayed for? Uh, Kevin, are you there? I'm here. How how are we, Kevin? I'm good, very well. How are you guys doing? Not too bad, Kevin. Better now. We'd be, we'd be better with five wins than four wins and a tie, but you know. <laughs> Can't hey, have it all your own way. Hey, everybody would be better with one more, whatever it is. <laughs> not, not penalties though. Not more. Not one more penalty. <laughs> but me and the Times, welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. One of our favourite guests is Miss Stacey Rust. How are we? I'm well. How are you guys? 
a man who came fifth in the 2005 Heisman voting for being a fourth round NFL draft pick, and of course, a Super Bowl champion. Mark Robinson, how are you, sir? Doing great, man. Doing great, man. Glad to be a part of the show. No. General Chit Chat is the boss man of the Athletic Seattle. Uh, Mr. Stephen Cohen, welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast. Thanks. I thought I was here to talk Everton. I'm, I'm all ready for James Rodriguez. Let's go. Let's do this. Lucky enough to be joined by one of the writers for Seahawks.com. Uh, Mr. John Boyle, how are we, sir? I am doing great. I'm uh, excited for to come visit you guys eventually here. <laughs> Got to wait a little while, though. Uh, our guest is entering his fourth year as coach, uh, uh, the defensive line coach for the Lions, and is a former seventh-round selection of the Dolphins and former coach at Jacksonville State. We are joined by Coach Devon Williams. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. We are joined by the former Wisconsin Badger and 2011 Seattle Seahawks draft pick, John Moffitt. How are we, John? I'm doing great, guys. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast, Adam Amin. Hello, friends. How are you? Welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast, Matt. <laughs> wow, thanks. What a lovely introduction, Stuart. <laughs> uh, yeah, Thanks for having me on. Really excited to dig into it. Even and this is probably the first time you've had back-to-back Newcastle United fans on, and that Tim Krul <laughs> reference. My word, that I, I enjoyed that a lot. We are delighted to uh, finally welcome on the Ped Pod, Mr. Jeff Jeff Reinbold. How are we, sir? Doing really good, guys. I appreciate you bringing me on. I apologize for a little bit of this background, <laughs> but this is I'm having coffee this morning, so. Uh, trying to kill two birds with one song. <laughs> is their silent reporter and the producer over on 710 ESPN, Maura Dooley. How are we? I'm awesome. How are you guys? Well, welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast, KJ Wright. What's up, fellas? So glad to have, you know to be here. This is my first international podcast, so <laughs> I'm looking I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. Mr. Rob Staten, how are we, sir? I'm fine, guys. I just love the idea of Adam, you know, thinking of that just before he got in and having a little chuckle to himself as he came up with that great line. Welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast, Danny Kelly. How are we, sir? I'm very, very good indeed. Companion, Mr. Dan Soda, welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast. Man, thank you very much. That was a lovely intro. We say this, but we're joined by Sullen, Illinois defensive back, Madre Harper. Welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, Mr. Danny O'Neill, welcome back to the Pedestrian Podcast, sir. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I, I really appreciate the invitation. I've always enjoyed talking to you guys, so thank you. A former Seahawk, Pro Bowler, and Super Bowl 48 champion, defensive end Cliff Averill. Welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast. Matt, thank you guys for having me. It's properly cool, wild, and any other exuberant adjectives you can think of to say welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast, Doug Baldwin. Hey, fellas, thank you for having me. And I'm I'm thrilled that it's called The Pedestrian. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you noticed that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finally, we get on The Pedestrian Podcast, Mr. Dave Softimana. How are we, sir? I'm good. You mentioned there's a legend coming on, and I'm, I'm wondering when exactly <laughs> is that going to happen? In Columbus, welcome to The Pedestrian Podcast, Tyvis Powell. Thank you so much for having me, y'all. I appreciate this. So, and a welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast number 51, Lofa Tupu. Hey, how's everybody doing? Thanks for having me. The executive producer on 710 ESPN and the sideline reporter for the Washington State Cougars. Uh, Jessica McIntyre, how are we? We are wonderful. It is Apple Cup week and everything is rocking here in Seattle. About to head over to the Palouse tomorrow. Enjoy some turkey and get after the game. Thanks for having me, guys. Mr. Mark Hunter, MBE, how are 
how are we, sir? Yeah, good, Jens. Good evening. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, looking forward to getting into some nitty gritty and a bit of banter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on this evening. It's one of our favourites, one of our pals of the podcast, Mr. Jackson Bevins. How are we, sir? Oh, I'm so good, man. Thanks for having me back on, fellas. Guest joining this week, myself and Adam, is Joe Fan, who covers the Seahawks for NBC Sports. Welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast, Joe. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate the invite. It's good to, good to see you guys over Zoom. Uh, we are joined by Michael Sean Dugar, who covers our Seahawks for the Seattle PI. How are we, Michael? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks Thanks for having me on. Thanks for working out the, the time difference to get me on. <laughs> Appreciate it. I think we can probably thank you as opposed to... I don't think you need to thank us too much. 